Question 83 of Summa Theologica, Pars Prima, on Man. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Christine G. Summa Theologica, Pars Prima, on Man, by St. Thomas Aquinas. Translated by the Fathers of the English Dominican Province. Question 83 of Free Will in Four Articles. We now inquire concerning free will. Under this head, there are four points of inquiry. 1. Whether man has free will. 2. What is free will? A power, an act, or a habit? 3. If it is a power, is it appetitive or cognitive? For, if it is appetitive, is it the same power as the will, or distinct? First article. First part, question 83. Article 1. Whether man has free will? Objection 1. It would seem that man has not free will. For whoever has free will does what he wills. But man does not what he wills, for it is written, Romans 7.19. Quote, for the good which I will I do not, but the evil which I will not, that I do. End quote. Therefore man has not free will. Objection 2. Further, whoever has free will has in his power to will or not to will, to do or not to do, but this is not in man's power, for it is written, Romans 9.16, It is not of him that willeth, End quote. namely to will, Quote, nor of him that runneth, end quote, namely to run. Therefore man has not free will. Objection 3. Further, what is, quote, free is cause of itself, end quote, as the philosopher says, metaphysics 1, 2. Therefore what is moved by another is not free. But God moves the will, for it is written, Proverbs 21, 1, quote, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. Whithersoever he will, he shall turn it. End quote. And Philemon 2.13 It is God who worketh in you both to will and to accomplish. End quote. Therefore man has not free will. Objection 4. Further, whoever has free will is master of his own actions. But man is not master of his own actions. For it is written, Jeremiah 10.23 The way of a man is not his, neither is it in a man to walk. Therefore man has not free will. Objection 5. Further, the philosopher says, Ethics 3.5 According as each one is, such does the end seem to him. End quote. But it is not in our power to be of one quality or another, for this comes to us from nature. Therefore, it is natural to us to follow some particular end, and therefore we are not free in so doing. On the contrary, it is written, Sirach 15.14, God made man from the beginning, and left him in the hand of his own counsel. End quote. And the gloss adds, quote, That is of his free will. End quote. I answer that man has free will, otherwise counsel, exhortations, commands, prohibitions, rewards, and punishments would be in vain. 
In order to make this evident, we must observe that some things act without judgment, as a stone moves downwards, and in like manner all things which lack knowledge. And some act from judgment, but not a free judgment, as brute animals. For the sheep, seeing the wolf, judges it a thing to be shunned, from a natural and not a free judgment, because it judges, not from reason, but from natural instinct. And the same thing is to be said of any judgment of brute animals. But man acts from judgment, because by his apprehensive power he judges that something should be avoided or sought. But because this judgment, in the case of some particular act, is not from a natural instinct, but from some act of comparison in the reason, therefore he acts from free judgment and retains the power of being inclined to various things. For reason in contingent matters may follow opposite courses, as we see in dialectic syllogisms and rhetorical arguments. Now particular operations are contingent, and therefore in such matters the judgment of reason may follow opposite courses, and is not determinative to one. And forasmuch as man is rational, is it necessary that man have a free will? Reply Objection 1 As we have said above, question 81, article 3, add 2, the sensitive appetitive, though it obeys the reason, yet in given cease can resist by desiring what the reason forbids. This is therefore the good which man does not when he wishes, namely, quote, not to desire against reason, end quote, as Augustine says. Reply objection to. Those words of the Apostle are not to be taken as though man does not wish or does not run of his free will, but because the free will is not sufficient thereto unless it be moved and helped by God. Reply objection 3. Free will is the cause of its own movement, because by his free will man moves himself to act, but it does not of necessity belong to liberty that what is free should be the first cause of itself, as neither for one thing to be caused of another need it be the first cause. God, therefore, is the first cause, who moves causes both natural and voluntary, and just as by moving natural causes he does not prevent their acts being natural, so by moving voluntary causes he doth not deprive their actions of being voluntary, but rather is he the cause of this very thing in them, for he operates in each thing according to its own nature. Reply Objection 4 quote, Man's way, end quote, is said, quote, not to be his, end quote, in the execution of his choice, wherein he may be impaired, whether he will or not. The choice itself, however, is in us, but presupposes the help of God. Reply Objection 5. Quality in man is of two kinds, natural and adventitious. Now the natural quality may be in the intellectual part, or in the body and its powers. From the very fact, therefore, that man is such by virtue of a natural quality, which is in the intellectual part, he naturally desires his last end, which is happiness. Which desire, indeed, is a natural desire, and is not subject to free will, as is clear from what we have said above. Question 82. Articles 1 and 2. But on the part of the body and its powers, man may be such by virtue of a natural quality. Inasmuch as he is of such a temperament or disposition due to any impression whatever produced by corporal causes, which cannot affect the intellectual part, since it is not the act of a corporal organ. And such as a man is by virtue of a corporal quality, 
such also does his end seem to him, because from such a disposition a man is inclined to choose or reject something. But these inclinations are subject to the judgment of reason, which the lower appetite obeys, as we have said, question 81, article 3. Wherefore this is in no way prejudicial to free will. The adventitious qualities are habits and passions, by virtue of which a man is inclined to one thing rather than another. And yet even these inclinations are subject to the judgment of reason. Such qualities, too, are subject to reason, as it is in our power either to acquire them, whether by causing them, or disposing ourselves to them, or to reject them. And so there is nothing in this that is repugnant to free will. Second Article First Part Question 83 Article 2 whether free will is a power. Objection 1. It would seem that free will is not a power, for free will is nothing but a free judgment. But judgment denominates an act, not a power. Therefore free will is not a power. Objection 2. Further, free will is defined as, quote, the faculty of the will and reason, end quote. But faculty denominates a facility of power, which is due to a habit, Therefore free will is a habit. Moreover, Bernard says, on grace and free will, one and two, that free will is, quote, the soul's habit of disposing of itself, end quote. Therefore it is not a power. Objection three. Further, no natural power is forfeited through sin. But free will is forfeited through sin, for Augustine says that, quote, Man, by abusing free will, loses both it and himself. End quote. Therefore, free will is not a power. On the contrary, nothing but a power, seemingly, is the subject of a habit. But free will is the subject of grace, by the help of which it chooses what is good. Therefore, free will is a power. I answer that, although free will, open square bracket, liberium arbitrium, i.e., free judgment, closed square bracket, in its strict sense denotes an act in the common manner of speaking we call free will that which is the principle of the act by which man judges freely now in us the principle of an act is both power and habit for we say that we know something both by knowledge and by the intellectual power therefore free will must be either a power or a habit or a power with a habit that it is neither a habit nor a power together with a habit can be clearly proved in two ways First of all, because, if it is a habit, it must be a natural habit, for it is natural to man to have a free will. But there is no natural habit in us with respect to those things which come under free will, for we are naturally inclined to those things of which we have natural habits, for instance, to assent to first principles, while those things to which we are naturally inclined are not subject to free will, as we have said of the desire of happiness, Question 82, Articles 1 and 2. Wherefore it is against the very notion of free will that it should be a natural habit, and that it should be a non-natural habit is against its nature. Therefore in no sense is it a habit. Secondly, this is clear because habits are defined as that, quote, by reason of which we are well or ill disposed with regards to actions and passions, end quote. Ethics 2.5 for by temperance we are well disposed as regards concupiscences, and by intemperance ill-disposed, and by knowledge we are well disposed to the act of the intellect, when we know the truth, and by the contrary ill-disposed. 
but the free will is indifferent to good and evil choice. Wherefore, it is impossible for free will to be a habit. Therefore, it is a power. Reply Objection 1. It is not unusual for a power to be named from its act, and so from this act, which is a free judgment, is named the power which is the principle of this act. Otherwise, if free will denominated an act, it would not always remain in man. Reply Objection 2. Faculty sometimes denominates a power ready for operation, and in this sense faculty is used in the definition of free will. But Bernard takes habit, not as divided against power, but as signifying a certain aptitude by which a man has some sort of relation to an act. And this may be both by power and by habit. For by a power man is, as it were, empowered to do the action, and by the habit he is apt to act well or ill. Reply Objection 3 Man is said to have lost free will by falling into sin, not as to natural liberty, which is freedom from coercion, but as regards freedom from fault and unhappiness. Of this we shall treat later, in the treatise on morals in the second part of this work. First to second part. Question 85. Sequeled. Question 109. Third article. First part. Question 83. Article 3. Where the free will is an appetitive power. Objection 1. It would seem that free will is not an appetitive but a cognitive power. For Damascene, on the orthodox faith, 2.27, says that, quote, free will straightway accompanies the rational nature, end quote. But reason is a cognitive power, therefore free will is a cognitive power. Objection 2. Further, free will is so called as though it were a free judgment, but to judge is an act of a cognitive power, therefore free will is a cognitive power. Objection 3. Further, the principal function of free will is to choose. But choice seems to belong to knowledge, because it implies a certain comparison of one thing to another, which belongs to the cognitive power. Therefore, free will is a cognitive power. On the contrary, the philosopher says, Ethics 3.3, that choice is, quote, the desire of those things which are in us, end quote. But desire is an act of the appetitive power. Therefore, choice is also. But free will is that by which we choose. Therefore, free will is an appetitive power. I answer that, the proper act of free will is choice, for we say we have a free will because we can take one thing while refusing another, and this is to choose. Therefore we must consider the nature of free will by considering the nature of choice. Now two things concur in choice, one on the part of the cognitive power, the other on the part of the appetitive power. On the part of the cognitive power, counsel is required, by which we judge one thing to be preferred to another. And on the part of the appetitive power, it is required that the appetite should accept the judgment of counsel. Therefore Aristotle, Ethics 6, 2, leaves it in doubt whether choice belongs principally to the appetitive or the cognitive power, since he says that choice is either, quote, an appetitive intellect or an intellectual appetite. End quote. But Ethics 3, 3, he inclines to its being an intellectual appetite when he describes choice as quote, a desire proceeding from counsel. End quote. And the reason of this is because the proper object of choice is the means to the end, and this as such is in the nature of that good which is called useful. 
Wherefore, since good, as such, is the object of the appetite, it follows that the choice is principally an act of the appetitive power, and thus free will is an appetitive power. Reply objection 1. The appetitive powers accompany the apprehensive, and in this sense Damascene says that free will straight away accompanies the rational power. Reply objection 2. Judgment, as it were, concludes and terminates counsel. Now counsel is terminated, first, by the judgment of reason, secondly, by the acceptation of the appetite, whence the philosopher, Ethics 3.3, says that, quote, having formed a judgment by a counsel, we desire in accordance with that counsel, end quote, and in this sense choice itself is a judgment from which free will takes its name. Reply Objection 3. This comparison which is implied in the choice belongs to the preceding counsel, which is an act of reason. For though the appetitive does not make comparisons, yet forasmuch as it is moved by the apprehensive power which does compare, it has some likeness of comparison by choosing one in preference to another. Fourth Article First Part Question 83 Article 4 Whether free will is a power distinct from the will? Objection 1 It would seem that the free will is a power distinct from the will. For Damascene says on the orthodox faith 2.22, that thelesis is one thing and boelesis another, but thelesis is the will, while boelesis seems to be the free will, because boelesis, according to him, is will as concerning an object by way of comparison between two things. Therefore it seems that the free will is a distinct power from the will. Objection 2. Further, powers are known by their acts, by choice, which is the act of free will, is distinct from the act of willing, because, quote, the act of the will regards the end, whereas choice regards the means to the end, end quote. Ethics 3.2. Therefore, free will is a distinct power from the will. Objection 3. Further, the will is the intellectual appetite, but in the intellect there are two powers, the active and the passive. Therefore, also on the part of the intellectual appetite, there must be another power besides the will, and this, seemingly, can only be free will. Therefore, free will is a distinct power from the will. On the contrary, Damascene says, on the orthodox faith, 3.14, free will is nothing else than the will. I answer that the appetitive powers must be proportionate to the apprehensive powers, as we have said above, question 64, article 2. Now, as on the part of the intellectual apprehension, we have intellect and reason, so on the part of the intellectual appetite we have will and free will, which is nothing else but the power of choice. And this is clear from their relations to their respective objects and acts. For the act of understanding implies the simple acceptation of something, whence we say that we understand first principles, which are known of themselves without any comparison. But to reason properly speaking, is to come from one thing to the knowledge of another. Wherefore, properly speaking, we reason about conclusions, which are known from the principles. In like manner on the part of the appetite to will implies the simple appetite for something. Wherefore, the will is said to regard the end, which is desired for itself. But to choose is to desire something for the sake of obtaining something else. Wherefore, properly speaking, it regards the means to the end. Now, in matters of knowledge, the principles are related to the conclusion, 
to which we assent on account of the principles, just as, in appetitive matters, the end is related to the means, which is desired on account of the end. Wherefore it is evident that as the intellect is to reason, so is the will to the power of choice, which is free will. But it has been shown above, question 79, article 8, that it belongs to the same power both to understand and to reason, even as it belongs to the same power to be at rest and to be in movement. Wherefore it belongs also to the same power to will and to choose, and on this account the will and free will are not two powers, but one. Reply objection 1. Guilesis is distinct from Thelesis on account of a distinction not of powers, but of act. Reply objection 2. Choice and will, that is, the act of willing, are different acts, yet they belong to the same power, as also to understand and to reason, as we have said. Reply objection 3. The intellect is compared to the will as moving the will, and therefore there is no need to distinguish in the will an active and passive will. End of question 83. Recording by Christine G. in Oslo, Norway. The 26th of February, 2012.